Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 204. The excitement in the days leading up to a Royal Caribbean cruise is one of the best feelings, next to embarkation day, of course. Knowing your cruise vacation is right around the corner gives us all such a sense of euphoria and a warm feeling to know it's finally our turn to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise. This week, I'm one of those lucky people, and I'll be previewing my upcoming cruise on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas. My next adventure is a July 4th getaway cruise, and I'll preview our plans for the ship, what stands out about Harmony of the Seas, and what I'm most excited about to try once on board. Here we go. This week, I get to do one of my favorite kind of episodes, previewing one of my upcoming Royal Caribbean cruises. Obviously, that's very subjective because it's my upcoming cruise, so when I'm recording this episode, that means I'm getting excited for it. And I'm actually about to go on Royal Caribbean's Harmony of the Seas for a seven-night sailing over the July 4th holiday. And this week, I wanted to preview my upcoming cruise. Now, this, this cruise is an interesting cruise in the sense of why I booked it how I booked it, and how it came about. Originally, we were looking at booking a cruise back in April, I believe. March or April. I think pretty sure it was April. And we were looking to do kind of a getaway Memorial Day cruise. I figured, well, it's a three-day weekend. It was an easy way to get a, you know get away and maybe a chance to perhaps take in a ship that we haven't been on before. And so I was looking at actually Enchantment of the Seas, which offered a three-night cruise over the weekend, Friday to Monday. But in basically perfect, right? I would have just had to take off that Friday, but... You know, that would have been doable and would have been a quick cruise. But we quickly realized two things. First of all, my in-laws volunteered to watch the kids. And when that happens, when you go from four people to two people in a, in a on your cruise, boy, does the price drop a lot. And so it was like, okay, well, that's A. And then B, realize that, you know, there's some other options out there, especially for that price. And we discovered, among other things, was that when we were looking at other sailings, was that actually Harmony over July, because July 4th is the next obvious holiday to look for for, for a cruise. And we were looking at that also, and we said, wait a minute, Harmony of the Seas over July 4th is not that expensive, especially when you're talking about just two people. And so we looked at that, and we said, of course, that's a seven-night cruise. And for those of you keeping score at home... I'm basically out of vacation time for 2017 with the other cruises I have booked. So that kind of raised a question. says, well, we can go on the three-nighter on Enchantment for Memorial Day. We can can do Harmony seven nights for essentially the same price, which, you know, is obviously an interesting idea. And I ended up going with Harmony with the idea that I'm going to actually be working from the ship for part of the cruise. I work from home for my day job. So I don't go into the office. My, actually, my office is about, I don't know, about 800 miles away. So I don't I can work from anywhere. In fact, I've done that before, both land at sea. In fact, last year I did one day on Harmony of the Seas. I worked from the ship. So it's proven. Certainly the Royal Caribbean's Voom makes it entirely possible. That's their high-speed internet. And for what I do on a day-to-day basis, perfectly fine. So I was thinking, you know what? Let's do it. Why not? And so we booked Harmony of the Seas. It's me and my wife. We ended up booking actually a Central Park balcony. One of the interesting things about Oasis-class ships is when you say, okay, what's going to be the cheapest room on the ship? A lot of times we always think, okay, let's look at interior rooms. But actually balconies, especially the neighborhood balconies, tend to be an excellent value. And the reason for that is quite simply there are a lot of them. It's supply and demand. And there's a lot of balcony rooms on these ships. And not only do they have balcony rooms, but the neighborhood balconies are an exceptional value because not only a little bit cheaper than the ocean-facing balconies, but they also have the added bonus of the Eat, Drink, Play program, which just actually just got renamed. Uh, basically, you get certain benefits, and by booking a Central Park balcony, we get a free uh, dinner meal, I should say, at Jamie's Italian, 
a free bottle of red wine and like a gaming lesson in the casino or something like that. Boardwalk balcony rooms also get a similar benefit. And we kind of talked about that, I think, if you remember from my cruise preview slash review of Harmony and Seas last year in November. But all that being said, it seemed like a really good idea. So we ended up booking that particular room. And I love Central Park balconies. I've been a fan of them since I first stayed on one on Oasis of the Seas. And it's just, to me, what I love about it is, A, it's a little bit cheaper than the ocean-facing balconies. B, you still get the balcony experience. And C... Central Park at night is just beautiful. Central Park all the time is beautiful, but at night it is gorgeous, and I love that view. They've got in Central Park, they'll pipe in uh, music of birds and 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 um, crickets, and you've got music play, live music being played down in the Central Park area in the evening. It's just beautiful. It's I love the ambiance, and a lot of times people say, "Matt, isn't there, isn't there a lot of noise from the Central Park or Boardwalk?" No. Certainly not in back in your room. I mean, you know, you're going to be outside. Sure, you'll hear stuff, but back in your room, you're fine. Sleep like a baby. And so I'm definitely no qualms about that. Now, also for the sailing, we're doing this is an Eastern Caribbean sailing going to Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Kitts. It's a seven night sailing. And we will, for the sailing, we are actually, uh, again, as I mentioned, I'll be working for some of the crews. Some of the crews I'll be off between the weekend because it leaves on a Saturday. So I got that Saturday. I got that Sunday. I have the 4th of July off. And the rest of the time, I'll be working from on board the ship. And to me, it's worth it. I know some people may you know cringe at the idea of working from a cruise ship. To me, this is a better idea because again, we were looking at otherwise like a three night cruise. And yes, I might not have been working for those three nights, but it would only been three nights. And I, at the end of the day, I would rather be able to wake up, have my breakfast in the Windjamere, work during the day, and then have a great night out on the town, right? A night on the ship, on you know taking in the entertainment, having some drinks together, going to the main dining room. It's still a vacation. It's still an opportunity not to cook for myself, not to have to clean up after myself that much. And it's it's a getaway. And I think we're going to make the best of it. This is one of the nice things about living in Florida is you have that opportunity to you know take advantage of being so close by. And I just figured this makes sense to me. And so I'm willing to do it. I, I certainly understand there's some people who are probably shaking their head at the idea. But you know, to me, it was this. Given the options that were on the table, this is, was, I think, the best option that we had. Or at least I felt like it gave me the most time on board a ship, which I value the most. Uh, and, you know, certainly on a ship that can handle it, right? You've got the Voom, which I've already proven is, is a known entity. Granted, I haven't tried working from a ship on multiple days, but I really have no reason to believe it'll be anything but a great time. Now, what we have planned for the cruise, well, I'm trying a couple actually new things, despite the fact this will be my third time on Harmony of the Seas. If you, I mean, technically speaking, anyway, the first, back in November, I did a three-night sailing that, I, uh, that was a revenue sailing once I paid for. Then there was a day in be- two days in between, and then I went back on board uh, for a media preview cruise. But technically speaking, this is my third time going on the ship, and uh, there's some new things we're trying out. First and foremost, we got the Ultimate Dining Package, and you may have seen this on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com earlier this year. RoyalCaribbean came out with a new option. They've had dining packages for a while. The dining packages allow uh, folks to buy uh, a, certain, a certain amount of specialty restaurants and for, for a lower price than if you try to book them individually. The Ultimate Dining Package says, okay, you're going to be able to eat at one specialty restaurant every night of your cruise, plus especially a restaurant for lunch on sea days. So that's pretty darn good. I mean, there's two reasons for that. Number one, I love the food. <laughs> Number two, in the name of research, I want to be able to try this option out because I've never actually done a special dining package myself. And number three, of course, this is great blog fodder, right? This will give me a great opportunity to visit these restaurants and see them all because there's a lot of great dining on board Harmony of the Seas. And while I may not make it to the main dining room for dinners, that will end up maybe for breakfast or lunches on some days. But, you know, it's still going to give me an opportunity to 
uh, experience as much of the ship as possible. And that's important to me. I like the idea of branching out there. And quite frankly, the Ultimate Dining Package is not as expensive as you might think. I was really surprised by how low the price is, especially when you factor in you know, how much it would, it's saving you compared to, again, doing that same uh, dining rotation with the specialty dining, but trying to do it individually. So looking forward to trying that. I think it'll be a really interesting and, and different experience. On board, or on shore rather, we are going to visit, as, as I mentioned, Nassau and St. Thomas will b- both be days in which I will not be working, so no problem at all there. St. Kitts, I'll actually be working. For St. Kitts, the best case I'll be able to do is get off the ship and go to a coffee shop. There is a coffee shop in Port that I went to on my last visit to St. Kitts. I'm debating maybe just taking a taxi to like a Starbucks and working from there just to get off the ship. You know, get a little local flavor. Why not, right? A little YOLO. You only live once. Get out there and... You know, it's more interesting than working on board the ship. So I may do that. Uh, but for Nassau, Nassau's a really tough day. We're there from 7 a.m. to 2.30. It's a terrible time. The reason being that most things don't open up in Nassau until about 9 a.m. And when you're leaving by, you know, when I say you gotta be the ship leaves at 2.30, you got to be back before that. Right? You're back on the ship. I mean, <laughs> I would say anyone back before, anyone back after 1.30 is crazy. But, you know, you're really limiting yourself. So I think my wife and I have really struggled with what to do. We're going to end up just going for we're gonna get off the ship we're gonna have breakfast somewhere in nasa we don't know yet where but wanna you know have a little maybe a little brunch a little breakfast in there maybe do a little bit of shopping get back on board the ship and just enjoy it nasa you know is a port that uh some people struggle with trying to find things the issue to me is not so much nasa or inherently nasa i just think the times are bad if we were in nasa if you bounce this or push this forward three or four hours right then i think this would have been awesome and we would have probably done uh, something like the uh, British Colonial Hilton or another all-inclusive resort because we had such a great time the last time. But for the time, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And there's some interesting choices there. I will say I've gone through the, <laughs> the excursions a number of times. But it's either we're there for too short of a time to make it worthwhile or the experience is just largely expensive. For St. Thomas, because we don't have the kids, we're going to take advantage of it. We're going to do something I've always wanted to try. But when we had the children with us, it just didn't make a whole lot of logical sense. We're going to go to St. John. St. John is a nearby island, very, very close by. There's a ferry service that goes between St. Thomas and St. John's. It's like a quick little runabout. And it's very easy to do, in fact. You can book it through Royal Caribbean, the ferry, but or you can go do it on your own. I'm going to try to do it on my own because I, I like the adventure aspect of it. But St. John's is largely a, a national park. There's not a whole lot of uh, settlement there like there is in St. Thomas. Regardless, it's supposed to be beautiful, amazing beaches. So we're going we're gonna to go a little adventurous. My wife and I are going to get up there, get off the ship early, take a taxi over to the ferry, take the ferry over to St. John's, take a taxi on St. John's somewhere. One of the beaches, I think Cinnamon Bay is what we're kind of eyeing. Spend the day there swimming, enjoying it, and then obviously reverse all that and come on back. Royal Crane does offer an excursion to St. John's. It essentially does everything we want to do to get there. But there's two problems with it. Number one, it's a longer ferry ride, and I just not I don't I don't hate ferries. I just try to I yeah, my concern is always a little bit of too much motion in the ocean, but also I like the sense of adventure. I like the idea of doing it myself and it will save me a few dollars, but that's not really the issue. I think honestly, be, just between you and I, I feel like this is about I wanna do it you know, the real way, man. I want the adventure. And it's, it's kind of exciting to me, quite honestly. And plenty of people have done this before. I don't think there's a lot of risk involved. But not having the kids makes it an easier ordeal because we're not moving as many people. There's not as many moving components to it. And it's a lot of it, It's a lot simpler to uh, to enact. So we're going to do that. And for St. Kitts, as I mentioned, my wife will – I don't know what my wife is doing in St. Kitts. She says she wants to book a group excursion, but she hasn't done it yet as of this recording. She may end up just sitting on the ship and enjoying the virtues of the drink package, which – 
very may may very well uh, be the case. We've also booked a number of entertainment. Of course, Harmony of the Seas, really, when you're booking an Oasis-class ship, it's really about the onboard experience. Harmony of the Seas is a is a destination. It's not like in years past, perhaps. If you go back 15, 20 years, you talk about cruise ships, you really talk about the places the cruise ship is going. Nowadays, especially with the Oasis-class and Royal Caribbean, you're talking about the ship being the destination. We love the onboard entertainment. I still haven't seen Greece yet, so I get to see Greece finally. I must say my one of my favorite shows of all time, which is Columbus the Musical. Well, that's an original Royal Caribbean production. That's on there. Really looking forward to that. Also, not having the kids opens up. I, I don't want to sound like the worst parent ever, but it opens us up to so many more options. We can go do lots more trivia. The things in the cruise compass, all those things in the daytime. We can take advantage of that now. In the evening, we don't have to worry about you know the nursery and feeding the kids. We can you know we can enjoy some music and drinks in the evening and kind of take it all in. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We've planned some aspects of it, but uh, we're also leaving a large component of it open, and that's okay. Sometimes you know I know especially when you if you listen to this podcast at length, you may hear a lot about planning and the importance of planning. I think planning is. First of all, I think planning is fun. I think it is beneficial, but there is something to be said about, you know, just kind of winging it in some cases. And that's what we're really looking forward to doing and kind of just seeing where it goes and honestly spending a lot of time at the pool and going down those water slides and, you know, just really ex- trying to experience as much of the ship as possible. Now, many of you also know we're also going back on Harmony of the Seas in September, this September, for the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise on Harmony of the Sea. So this will be a good. Uh, I've, I've been joking. This is a preview, you know, kind of a research trip. So that way we know what to expect on <laughs> for the group cruise, which is just a, you know, that's just a ruse. I just want to go on a cruise. And, you know, for me, this is about getting, it's, this is still a getaway cruise. It just involves a little bit of work involved. But I think the timing is good. You know, July 4th week, not a very busy week for most companies, right? Because most people take off that week anyway. And with July 4th falling on a Tuesday, it's kind of a long weekend kind of thing. So, yeah, I think we're going to look – I think it's going to be pretty nice. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Naturally, I will be live blogging the experience at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Actually, you can easily get there anytime by going to HarmonyOfTheSeas.live, L-I-V-E, live. HarmonyOfTheSeas.live brings you right to our live blog post. In fact, even if you're listening to this before I get on board the ship, you can go back and read the old blog post that I had uh, accumulated last year to give you an idea of what to expect. Uh, but also, I'll be posting – uh, actually, I will post it already by the time this episode comes out on Wednesday, The uh, my preview blog post for my upcoming cruise, so plenty to look forward to, and I'll be doing live broadcasts on Periscope and on our Facebook page, so make sure you check those out, because as you guys know, I love to share the cruise experience with all of you. I think it's what makes it a lot of fun. I, I When I'm on a cruise ship, I'm very much an extrovert. I like to get out there and and really share the experience. I think it's fun. I think I love being able to say, hey, look, what's at the the buffet today? You know, what curry is available? Or I can't believe this show is happening. Anyway, so if you follow us on on Instagram and on Facebook and on Periscope, you'll pretty much cover your bases for following me along and joining me in there. And, of course, I want it to be interactive. So if you're going on Harmony of the Seas and you've got questions or ideas, maybe something you see on the blog kind of thinks gets your mind working there, hmm, I didn't know you could do that. Well, of course, you can uh, post on our comments on the live blogs. I'm happy, happy to uh, to help you out there and give you some more information. So very much looking forward to this. And, of course, our live blog begins on July 1st, 2017, on board Harmony of the Seas. I can't wait. 
Alrighty, it's time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the show where I dedicate it to your emails about everything Royal Caribbean. Whether it's a question, a comment, something you got coming up on your cruise, let's talk about it right over here. And you can always email me, by the way, by sending an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Justin, who writes, hope this email finds you well. A quick question. We're going on Oasis of the Seas for the first time this September. Is there a Wonderland on board? I'm reading some conflicting info on this. I read it in places that after the 2014 dry dock, a Wonderland was added. We're doing the Ultimate Dining Package to go around. If there is a Wonderland, would it be included in the package? Thanks in advance. Justin, thanks for the email, dude. Uh, no, there is not Oasis on Wonderland, but you will find signs for it. Hmm, what does that mean, Matt? That means that originally they were planning on adding Wonderland to Oasis of the Seas back in 2014, as you uh, noted. However, it never actually happened. The only Wonderland on an Oasis-class ship is on Harmony of the Seas, and also I'm pretty sure it's on Symphony of the Seas coming soon. But it's not on Oasis. However, if it were, or if you go on Harmony or Symphony and you get the Ultimate Dining Package, Wonderland is included with that Ultimate Dining Package. So, there you go. I know it's kind of weird that there are signs for it on Oasis of the Seas, and yet there's no Wonderland. I just... Like I said, they planned on it, they ordered the signs for it, but didn't actually make it happen. So kind of womp womp, kind of weird. Next is our next email rather is from Lena, who writes, Good morning, Matt. Just two days off of Anthem of the Season, I'm wondering where my food is coming from. <laughs> Kidding, of course. It was a great time for sure. I'm looking forward to prove all those negative reviews wrong, and I certainly did saw nothing of what I read online. Now that I'm 64 days from Allure of the Seas, I find myself on a mission to find the Pandora stores to collect a charm on each island. Itineraries Nassau, Charlotte Amalie, and Basseterre. I'm writing because I want to make sure where Allure docks in Charlotte Amalie, I believe Crown Bay, and where the nearest Pandora location is in Havensite. Same for Basseterre. Thanks. Thank you for the email, Lena. So, uh, Lena wants to know where they dock in Charlotte Amalie, which of course is St. Thomas. And Basseterre, which is St. Kitt. So in St. Thomas, Rokerman used to dock in Havensite, which is across the harbor. But actually, now Oasis-class ships dock in Crown Bay, uh, which is a lot closer to downtown. I can't help you with where those stores are, honestly. Uh, I'm sure Google Maps will help you there. I don't think you'll have any problems you know, finding it over there. And the good news, of course, is they only dock in one place in uh, in in St. Kitts, I will tell you that almost all there's a lot of shops that do that. Of course, they they offer you the free tchotchke or the little keychain, right? And people, I know some people like to get, it, including Lena here, and I'm not judging. More power to you. Hey, it's free. You just got to understand that you're subjecting yourself to a sales pitch while you're in there. And for some people, that you may end up succumbing to that sales pitch, spending a lot more than you thought you were going to coming in there. And of course, the, of course, the value of these tchotchkes is not very high, as you might imagine. But nonetheless, Lena, it's what makes you happy, right? That's right. Darn right. So uh, the good news is you'll be docking in Crown Bay and Charlotte Molly and St. Thomas, so you should be all set there. Thank you for the email. Really do appreciate it. Our next email comes to us from... Quentin, who writes, Love your episode on Cruise Radio with Doug Parker. My question is, you always recommend using a travel agent. My wife and I always stay at Hilton and collect Hilton points. What are your thoughts on using an online travel agent that you can collect points or miles? Is there any advantages or disadvantages of using an online travel agent? You know, Quentin, most travel agents, especially in the United States, are virtual. They don't actually go to an office. And that's pretty normal these days. Now, I'm not sure if you're asking like about the big box ones, like using, like I don't know, a, you know, an, an Expedia or a... Costco, one of those. I will tell you this. Let me start at the beginning. 
I am a big, big fan of using a travel agent. I recommend everybody use a travel agent. Bottom line is, it saves you time and, quite honestly, money in the long run. It's just, it's it's an added experience, but Royal Caribbean is paying them, not you. You shouldn't be paying them. In fact, you should not pay anything to any travel agent on top of what the cruise fare is. There should, if you're getting a travel agent that says there's a, there's a change fee or anything like that, get rid of that travel agent. You don't need that kind of, that, that in your life. Because a great travel agent will do this work for you. There should be no fee, no added cost to you. And the best part is you get all that added service. And I love using it. And I use it every single time. And I think you should as well. So regardless of which one you use, Quentin, definitely, you know, weigh them out. Contact them. You don't have to just book a cruise immediately and then figure out if they're good or not. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Say, hey, look, I'm thinking about using you guys. Here are my concerns. And be honest with them. Say, you know, I'm concerned about X, Y, and Z. Bottom line is they should be saving you time. Here's a great example of this, okay? You want to go book a cruise. You want to go reprice a cruise. Something involving contacting Royal Caribbean, whether you're doing it online or on the phone, doesn't matter, but they're saving you time, which frees you up to do other things like listen to amazing podcasts about cruising and other things as well. But it makes it so much easier, and I'm sure that if you talk to folks who also use travel agents and really like them, they'll tell you the exact same thing is that it just it makes their life easier. That's why I recommend using a travel agent, and I think you should as well. If you're new to cruising, definitely got to. I think it's a must do. But even if you're a veteran cruiser like myself, I just think it saves you time, makes your life easier, frees you up to do other things. And that's why I recommend them. And again, a good travel agent, it's worth it every single time. So it's a good question, Quentin. I'm so glad you brought that up. Our next email is from Amy from Austin, Texas, a.k.a. I am Amy 0922 on Periscope. Uh, Amy writes, my partner Je- uh, Jennifer and I just returned from our seven-night cruise on Liberty of the Seas. I'm happy to say that the departure process was much better than our past three experiences in Galveston. The issue in getting on delayed us by two hours. They finally explained the security photos that had all been retaken as each passenger walked on board. The only issue we had with the delay is complete failure by the port to make the process organized. I have wanted to ask if you know of any regular cruisers at the group who often cruise as single female or pairs of females. Jennifer and I stick to Royal Caribbean excursions or to staying inside the secured port areas. We're unsure about which ports would be safe for two women to take a cab private driver on our own and which would not be safe. The cruise bloggers I follow are all male. Any suggestions? I did have the opportunity to share your blog on four separate occasions on the cruise last week. Two couples actually went to the blog while we were talking. Your work through the blog provides such great information and a wonderful sense of community. Thanks for all you do. First day back at work and already counting down to our next cruise. Amy, this is a great question. I don't think I've ever gotten this before. And certainly you're right. I think traveling as obviously uh, as, as women versus guys, it's, it's a different experience. And I'm not sure that I can honestly relate because it's, it is a whole different experience. Now, your question is, you know, I, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer your question in the sense of which ones are safe or not safe. And generally speaking, I think most ports, especially in the Caribbean, very, very safe. Uh, I've never felt like anything that's been, you know, you're really out there. I feel like there's a lot of different people who are traveling there, whether they're families, couples, single folks. It seems like there's a wide range. Now, certainly, I think regardless of where you're going, there are certain precautions you should take that can certainly uh, make or you know make it a little bit safer or you know avoid certain snafus. Uh, but you know, taking group excursions are definitely a good thing, good idea. Um, you you asked me about if there are any. Um, if there are any uh, regular cruisers who kind of cruise the same way you do, and I'm going to put that out as an open question to our listeners, because I think there's, I'm sure there are, I just obviously can't rattle off names here or, or give you that kind of information, but I'm sure if there's any women out there who regularly cruise either alone or maybe with a friend or a colleague or a partner, someone who also, you know, basically just 
girls only and go regularly and can share some experiences or some tips for that when it comes to being safe, I think that'd be really helpful. And please uh, send in the email at matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com or, and or you can also post it on this uh, on our show notes in the comment section over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Amy, it's a great question. I think in general, again, when you're talking about these Caribbean ports, most are very, very safe. In fact, I, again, I, I understand it's a different experience for me, but I've regularly gone out on my own. I think that... Um, a lot of it is knowing what you want to do ahead of time, planning, have something, having a plan rather than kind of wandering aimlessly. Although in cities, it's a different experience, right? Cozumel, I wander aimlessly all the time. I just walk up and down the streets back and forth in Cozumel and San Miguel because, you know, that's it's a city. I just like going up and down, seeing what's around the next corner and kind of experiencing it that way. Obviously, in other ports like Falmouth or St. Lucia, there's not that kind of thing. you got to drive somewhere. you got to do something outside of at least the port area. And again, I, I think that in general, if you know your surroundings, you have a good plan and you've researched where you're going, that's generally half the battle right there. And I think that research ahead of time is probably among the best things you can do to ensure not only a safe trip, but also a successful one. And oftentimes I regret that I don't spend more time either researching something or didn't know about something ahead of time. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done it in the beginning. But, you know, cruising obviously or traveling with a group on excursions definitely a good way to do it you can also of course you might have luck finding new friends on board the ship right you can't you can't account for that you can't plan on that maybe you won't make any friends who knows but you know that's also another option out there i you know as you said it kind of depends on the port but again i'm gonna open this up to our our listeners if they have any good suggestions because this is a really interesting idea and amy i might if i if i find someone maybe another uh travel blogger in general because this kind of thing is kind of doesn't necessarily have to relate directly to cruises but i think this is a really good topic it's something that probably there's some other folks amy out there who are wondering the same thing so thank you for the email really do appreciate it and i've got time for one more email and it is from John Bamber, who writes, Big fan of the podcast and blog. Thanks for all that you're doing. You've always mentioned seven nights or longer are good, good cruise length. And I'd agree. I've never been on anything longer than a nine night. But the idea of a transatlantic or trans-Pacific cruise is very appealing to me. I did a quick look, and none of the mega ships like Quantum or Oasis class ships are doing these type of cruises. What tips and suggestions can you offer for can you have for a long haul cruise? How many formal nights? How many theme nights? What kind of activities can I expect to see on the cruise ship with so many sea days? John, it's a great question because of course, when you're talking about general, a long, longer cruise, longer than, you know, nine, 10 days, which is like you said, pretty much repositioning cruises. You're getting a whole different cruise experience because it's so long. It's the, the, the focus is even more so on board the ship because oftentimes there's a lot of sea days involved. Now there are sometimes you can lock out and get a freedom class ship or a, Oasis class ship doing a transatlantic it generally occurs like around uh, repositioning. Uh, generally speaking, like when Symphony of the Seas makes her way from Europe to the United States, there'll be a repositioning cruise there. When Oasis of the Seas goes for her refurbishment, which she's due for one, I believe in 2019, they go for about every five years, there'll probably be a, a repositioning cruise there. So you can make that happen if you're really dead set on the big ships. But in general, what you're going to find when you're talking about these uh, the, these repositioning cruises is there's actually a lot of different activities. Royal Caribbean doesn't just say, okay, well, let's take the seven, the regular seven night itinerary and just, you know, keep repeating ad nauseum. No, 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 no. They put a lot of stuff to do on there. A lot of different activities. They actually, a lot of times you'll find, you know, a, a comedian or a juggler or a magician will get on and off at a different port, right? They can, each port they go to, they can actually swap out entertainment. It happens even on seven night cruises I've seen. So it's not unheard of to have that. There will be different theme nights. Uh, again, it's hard to say what it'll be. The best you can I could recommend, John, is checking out an old cruise compass, which you probably already know about. We have an archive at RealCaribbeanBlog.com. And an old cruise compass from a previous trans, 
trans-Pacific uh, or transatlantic cruise, we'll give you a ballpark idea of what to expect. Royal Caribbean doesn't publish these things in advance. So there's really no definitive way to do it. I will tell you this. If your fear is, oh, man, after, like, day six, it's going to be the same old, same old all the time. It's just repeating itself. It's not. There's a lot of variety, actually, in the sense of different shows, different musical entertainment. In fact, most times when I talk to people who do these transatlantic cruises or these repositioning cruises, you'll find that they often actually say there was a surprising amount of variety of entertainment. So it's it's obviously uh, you know uh, uh, still a very fun and interesting cruise, but of course it gets you a good opportunity to. I think more off more than anything, just take in the ship, right? Get a lot of time at the pool and just relax. And it's when you're there for more than seven nights, I feel like you really get a sense of being on board. It's not over in a snap of a finger. It will go by very quickly, don't get me wrong, but you really get a good amount of time on board to get your bearings, to really feel like, yeah, I you know, I'm spending time on here. I know that's kind of a weird thing to hear, but when you're on those shorter cruises, when you're on even even on not so much on seven night, but certainly on three, four, five night cruises, you know, you feel like just as you're figuring it all out, you're getting off the ship, right? On seven night cruises, you start to get that taste of, yeah, okay, I get it now. But when you get up to nine, 10, 14 nights, then you start getting that, okay, now it's like, you know, you're like, it's like big man on campus kind of feeling, you know? You got your way around it. You, you know everywhere everything is. You start actually recognizing the crew members and it, it's a little more familiar, familiar. And I think that's really a, a fun part of it. And that's what I think draws a lot of folks to those longer sailings for that exact reason. John, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for these emails. It's a lot of fun. And thank you for listening. And, of course, there, if you want to send in your email, you have a question about Royal Caribbean, this is your opportunity. Send me an email, uh, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>